Hey, y'all, I'm going to take a second to give a quick shout out to the official mortgage lender of the Hunt Lift Deep podcast. That's Casey Burns of Prime Lending Mortgage. I've known Casey for 10 years and he's the only lender I use. I've used Casey to purchase two houses and the process has been seamless and easy each time. He's the heart of an educator and he truly cares about what's best for his clients. He specializes in VA loans, but can handle FHA conventional investment loans as well. He's a true expert and specialist in his field, and there's no one I recommend more than Casey. You can contact Casey at casey.burns at primelending.com, reach him by phone at 919-710-1864. You can also check out all his reviews at www.closewithkc.com. Thanks, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt Lift Deep Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke, here with the usual suspects and two special guests from Operation Pay It Forward. We've got Mike Gills and Chris. I already fucking forgot how to say your last name. What's going on, y'all? That's a weird last name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris Atanasio, Mike Gills. So it, it is a hard one to say. It's a hard one to say. Yeah, we're super stoked. Uh, we just finished up a pig hunt down in Florida with these fellas. They uh, they flew us down there, and this is a they represent a nonprofit, like I said, called Operation Pay It Forward, that has a mission to kind of give back to vets. And um, in active duty, but anybody that served in the military or currently serves in the military and they do it in a really kind of cool and somewhat unique way. Like they do it through the outdoors, which a lot of uh, organizations do. But what's really cool about them is kind of their pay it forward mindset. So and their, their, their mission with that. So I'll turn it over to Mike and kind of let you give a little rundown of uh, Operation Pay It Forward and kind of a synopsis of what you guys are all about. Sure. Uh, thanks, bro. Um, so, like you said, Operation Pay It Forward or vet, Veteran Run. Um, operated and um, organization that what we do, <clears throat> we find veterans throughout the country. You don't have to be disabled. Uh, you don't have to be in any kind of special way or whatnot. But um, the thought process is that we're going out there, reaching out to veterans to, to have them reach out to other veterans um, to get them out on hunts, get them back into that camaraderie mindset. Cause we all know when we get out of the service, uh, we lose. I'm, I'm going through it right now. You know, I just retired, um, you know, about three, four weeks ago. So I'm kind of going through it right now where you kind of get those withdrawals from that camaraderie. You want to get um, you want to get back with your buddies. You want to hang out with them and stuff like that. So Operation Pay It Forward gives us the opportunity to do that for individuals. Um, and we also take out individuals that really need um, some special help. You know, somebody who might not be in a good place. Um, but really what we do is we, we take them out on a hunting trip, fishing trip, um, really any kind of outdoor adventure or, you know, it could be a canoe trip. Um, you know, whatever we, whatever any individual wants to do, as long as you're not sitting in front of a TV screen, watching a movie or playing a video game, get outside. Um, we really, we really, uh, believe in the healing powers of the outdoors. Um, and we get those individuals together. And once we do that, we don't just stop there. We then give that individual who we took on that adventure, hunt, fishing trip, whatever it is, um, the responsibility and um, mission to go out and find somebody else and say, okay, now it's your turn, go pay it forward. Uh, and then we fund whatever uh, that individual wants to do with their buddies. Um, and hopefully the goal is to reach as many people as we can through the ambassador program, which I can get into a little more detail in a minute. Um, but, you know, reach as many veterans as we can out there um, and make sure that, um, you know, we're doing our buddy checks and everybody's good to go. So that's, that's the gist of it there. So I think, uh, go ahead, Derek. You got something? I think, yeah, I think one of the huge uh, selling factors for you guys is it's not that, that one and done 
Hey, thanks for your hunt. Thanks for your service. See you the fuck never. Like you guys actually give a shit and want to follow up with these people and, and continue to see them grow and help them along with whatever, the, whatever it is they, they need. And that's like, that's a huge thing because you know, we can say like, Oh yeah, we, we took them on a trip. We did, we did our job. But like, let's be honest, this shit is not solved, especially when you got some real problems is not solved in a fucking weekend. Like it's, it's a good step and you can make great strides, but like, it's not something that that is just done overnight. Yeah, that's really stuck out to me. Uh, it's actually, I think Chris and Caleb linked up via social media, and then Caleb brought this to me. And one, the more he told me about, it, I was like, man, this is kind of you know too good to be true. Like their mission and how it's set up and how simple it is. And then you know, two, there's like there's got to be some sort of some catch or something. But it's just how real and authentic it is, and it's about more of the relationships than just the experience. Like it is about getting folks out, but it's about the relationships you're forming and then continuing those relationships. Like you can take the same, you know, you take a guy out once, take him out again. You can keep taking them out and continue to build that. Because a lot of these uh, nonprofits that are centered around vets and hunting, which are great, don't get me wrong, uh, nothing against them. But a lot of them, it's just like a one and done, kind of like a once in a lifetime hunt. You go out, you shoot a 300 inch, you know, got fully guided uh, bull elks, you know, out in Idaho, which is really, really, really cool. Like Once again, I'm not trying to belittle that, but how much, you know, that, that guy probably gets a really good high. He gets, you know, builds some relationships, then everybody goes their separate ways and how much follow through and how much um, kind of healing and camaraderie is there. And obviously, you know, for folks that have been following HLE for a while, like that's what I'm building here. And that's what I want to build is one for the civilian community that we're a part of, but also for the vets and for the active duty guys that are part of this is we're building our community now. Like we're not going to have this transitional period where we're like, man, I don't have fucking brothers to my left, to my right, because it's already built. And so I want to share that with others and we don't have the bandwidth to, to work on our own nonprofit. So this is the perfect p- partnership with a pretty badass company or uh, nonprofit, excuse me. Yeah, Luke, I think you nailed it on that. Um, Mike was kind of in, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of in the founding stages of this, or at least came in early on it. And I would came in a lot later as one of those dudes who went on a hunt and then came in as an ambassador. And one of the coolest things was the awareness, uh, that Mike had, you know, immediately invited a dude with us on this pig hunt. And I remember a quote from that guy saying like, this is the greatest day of my life. Like come back out here after my time was over, after I was done serving and whatnot. And that guy's an ambassador now and he's doing awesome things. But I remember the, the profound impact it had on his life at the moment, uh, whether he was struggling or not, I don't know, but I know he's a vet and it helped him out. And one of the things I saw was, you know, we met a dude at, our, at my wedding. Mike was at my wedding. This dude was at my wedding and we eventually took him on another hunt. Um, and Mike being able to really push, I think it's like 11 to 14 vets throughout this year through this pipeline. And a lot of them asking to be ambassadors, knowing guys they need to take out, building those relationships and adding them to the group so that they are, you know, as he said, the buddy checks are being done. So the growing and the awareness of this is one of the biggest things that, um, needs to be pushed on through various platforms and whatnot, but continuing to do this is going to hopefully you know, prevent all those horrible things everybody sees in the in the news and on social media, like my buddy just off himself, blah, 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 that kind of thing. And, you know, through this kind of thing where dudes are feeling those, you know, parasympathetic backlashes from serving and they're doing goal accomplishment at the best level, that's going to be how we fight that. Yeah. And kind of seeing like the power of this ambassador program as, as an outsider, I'm very fortunate uh, feel very fortunate. And I'm, I'm sure Perry reciprocates to be able to come down and hang out with you guys and kind of see this from an outsider's point of view, looking in um, kind of what really stuck out to me is a story that you shared, Mike, of a, of a hunt that you took a guy on 
Uh, actually, it was a fishing trip. Um, I don't know if you want to get into that story, but that story was really, it, it was really impactful to me just hearing that um, kind of, you know, goofing around in the cabin, swapping stories in the evening. Um, the power of that ambassadorship program is really, uh, you know, that is the strength of Operation Pay It Forward. Um, and then these these ambassadorships kind of snowballing and then and then expanding, you know, across the country, uh, literally via this program. And then the other really cool part was on the last evening of our hunt this past weekend, um, sitting around sharing beers after just getting after it with some some pigs during the day. Um, kind of your uh, your passion, hearing you talk about the ambassadorship program and kind of uh, you, I could tell like you were like really fired up about it. <clears throat> it's clearly something that you like are really impassioned about, and like you sharing that passion, it was it was infectious. Um, you had all of us like. <laughs> sitting on the edge of our seats, listening to you, um, teach us about this ambassadorship program. And that's, you know, that's really, really cool. And, uh, definitely want you to kind of flesh out that ambassadorship program. Another thing that I thought was crazy is like, you know, when Caleb first, uh, brought this to us and like, we started talking, it was, it's one of those things where I was like, man, this is so good. And, it has to be complete bullshit. Like there's no, there's no way that they're actually doing what they're saying they're doing. But like after talking with you two and like actually seeing that, you know, unlike most other groups where, you know, they're spending cash on all this frivolous shit. Um, like not to mention a name, <coughs> wounded warrior program. Um, but like 90%, 90 cents of every dollar that, operation pay it forward makes goes to veterans. Like they're not fucking around. No one's making any money off of this. Like it's going to the people that actually need it. And that's like something that you don't see nowadays. Cause a lot of people are out to make a buck off of whatever they can. And if that's, you know, saying that they care about veterans, then, then they'll do that. But like to see you guys actually shut the fuck up and, and, and put your money where your mouth is, is a, uh, a nice change of pace for, uh, for us. Yeah, and, and I'll um, I'll go ahead and, and, and talk about what you're talking about, um, Carter. About the I had a, a, a young man that, um, well, a guy I served with who came out. Uh, his mom actually gave me a call, um, and he said she called me and said, "Hey, his name is Mike as well." So Mike's not in a good place. He really needs somebody to reach out to him right now, <clears throat> right? So I gave him a call, and I talked to him, and she was right. He wasn't in a good place, so. I called uh, Mike Burns, president of OPIF, and I said, hey, man, I got a guy. I really need to get him out here quick. He's in a bad spot. I want to get him on a fishing trip. Um, and that guy that guy was there the next week. Um, so it happened that quick. And that, that's, that's you know, they care. They, they'll call an emergency meeting on the board to make sure that the money's getting spent the right ways and all that stuff. And that's what they did. Um, they went ahead and approved it, and, and I got this guy out here. Um, and like you said, I'm not sure if it's exactly 90% of every dollar, but it's, but it's either 90 or more. Um, of every dollar that's being spent goes directly to a veteran. Um, and we're very, we're very proud of that because um, you, like you, like you said, you know, a lot of organizations, they spend a lot of money on, on, on things that they shouldn't be spending money on. Um, when people are donating their hard earned dollars for the veterans, and then they're spending on, on salaries with somebody. Um, but the, in the bylaws of our nonprofit, um, it says that nobody can ever collect a salary <clears throat> in, in any way. So, 
what we the only things that we spend money on is you know like making these hats so that we can sell them on our website and make more money um we we paid it to to um um, organize a banquet twice a year, one in, in Utah and one in, uh, in Colorado. You know, we, we use the money for that stuff to help raise money. That's the only thing that we actually spend money on that doesn't go directly to a veteran. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's re- really refreshing to hear. So a lot of folks probably don't know this, right? <clears throat> uh, when it comes to nonprofits, nonprofits don't mean that nobody makes any money. That's not what that means. The only thing a nonprofit is, is it gives you a certain tax code, so you're not actually paying taxes on your profits. Um, and then you, you have to roll all the money back into something. You can't like hold cash to then like to make revenue. So it's really easy to make a company non-profitable, right? You just pay all your money out. That's like HLE doesn't make any money um, because I continue to expand. I roll all the money back into the company. So you can do the same thing. But an expense with the company can be your CEO's salary. It can be uh, a private vehicle for your CEO. It can be private jet flights. And so a lot of these fucking nonprofits, they take the money and they blow it on bullshit. Big corporate parties, booze, hookers. Like, I'm not bullshit. Like, a lot of shit like that. And Wounded Warrior is notorious for this shit. So do not donate. It's something like, what, 20 cents or 13 cents? Derek, you probably know better than me on how much actually goes to to um, Wounded Warriors. Like, it's ridiculous. Super I think. Low. I think it's like under 20 cents and like they got audited a, a few years ago, fired their old CEO. Like it's a shit storm. And like, and, it, and why in the fuck does like the wounded warrior project need to like sponsor football games and bowl games? No, that fucking money needs to go to dudes that actually fucking need the help. Like I have heard of wounded warrior pro uh, project turning down dudes that need fucking walkers and like motorized scooters all because you know, for whatever they find some bullshit reason, turn them down. Like it's, it's a trash organization. Y'all about to yeah, send a so like, desist letter. <laughs> We're going to get sued for slander. Um, allegedly ah, they're a trash organization. Yeah, um, allegedly. That's what we've heard through the, you know, whatever, but no, I mean, that's, what's really cool about this program. It's a grassroots organization. It's, run by vets. Um, there are civilians on the board, which is actually really cool because they're a large donors and folks that really care about giving back. But, uh, you know, a lot of folks listening to this, you know, like this was a question we brought up with Carter and Perry and a lot of our civilian um, team members is, hey, can they be ambassadors too and just take vets out? And the answer is actually no. It has to be a vet. They can be involved. They can do, but they have to actually pay their own way. They can come to the event, but they, they don't actually, they can't participate like directly uh, within the program, which, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a yin and yang, but it's cool that it, it does keep it organic to um, folks that are from the same background and same kind of mindset as, you know, you go through. Because it's not just about, like, everybody always thinks about, like, you know, vets with issues, right? It's some dude with a bottle of Jack Daniels and a fucking 1911 digging a foxhole in his backyard going through some sort of fucking PTSD event. Like, that's not really the reality, right? That's fucking Hollywood. The reality is guys just, like, like PTSD is real, but... Like the most of the issues is really just coming down to a lack of purpose, a lack of mission and a lack of fucking brotherhood and camaraderie when you come out. And so you, you get out of the military and you get out of this place. That you have this huge safety net and this massive amount of structure. You never have to worry. You don't have to dress yourself. You don't have to th- make any like basic decisions. It just happens. And then you're like looking in the civilian world. You don't have any friends. You don't have any fucking uh, relationships. Maybe your marriage just went to shit while you're in the service and now this is when things start to spiral down into the negative feedback loop. And so that's what, you know, we're attacking through HLE with our building a community because 
And then that's also what OPIF is doing, which I think is super fucking cool. It's nested perfectly with my mission. Yeah, and one of the reasons why we don't, you know, we don't only focus on, you know, um, injured veterans or, you know, veterans with PTSD or, or something like that is because you never know what somebody's battling with. Um, you know, you never know uh, when an individual is reaching a certain point and they need to reach out for help or whatnot. And just taking that individual on that, that trip or whatnot um, might help them out. And not only that, but once they do that, they know then that they have that support system or those individuals that they've built that bond with that they can reach out to and say, Hey, I'm in a bad spot. You know, before that they might not have had that. So uh, that's why we don't focus on only individuals with, with obvious disabilities or people that, you know, are reaching out for help. Um, it's, it's any veteran, it's any veteran. And not only that, but the individuals that we take out, they might know an individual, a veteran that, that needs help. So we, we don't discriminate, you know, just any veteran, um, we all serve, we all, you know, paid our dues or whatnot. So any veteran, um, can participate in our program. And then we ask them to reach out to other veterans that they may know. So, yeah. One of the things I think we're seeing now is actually a rise in the amount of GWAT veterans and guys who did one term, two terms, two enlistments and whatnot, who got out and they're, you know, transitioning, doing great things in terms of paramedics, going to school, you know, various things like that, but they're not fitting in with veterans um, from I think we lost Chris, but yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. And and that's the thing is like, you know, it isn't always a gunshot wound. It isn't always a TBI. It isn't always, you know, PTSD, or maybe the guy doesn't even know what he's struggling with, or he didn't get it documented. Or, and so that's what is really cool is it just guys that in, in gals, you know, it's not specific to men um, that just need a support system. They just need a community. They just need, some brotherhood and sisterhood for those around them. And that's what the outdoors brings and provides. And we're just doing it on a, you know, another micro level with an HLE. And then you guys are doing the exact same thing, which is just building the foundation for um, that community. And that's kind of a buzzword. I keep saying it, but I mean, that's really what it comes, comes back to is, is building a community and OPIF is doing a great job of that. And I think that's something we need to do. And that's why we want to kind of hitch our wagon and, and work to help kind of spread the word because I had never heard of it. You know, it wasn't an organization that I had heard of prior to, um, you know, Chris reaching out to Caleb and getting plugged in. And I think we can do a better job of that and, and we can help promote uh, the mission and everything else. Yeah, well, I, I can kind of talk about, um, you know, the, the, the where it all started. And, um, you know, Eric Pauly um, was the founder. He's an Army veteran. Um, Hell of a nice guy, man. I mean, he's he's salt of the earth. Give you his shirt off his back if you needed it. Um, <clears throat> but he uh, he just wanted to um, reach out and, and, and help veterans, and he did it on his own dime the first time. I mean, he's he he took um, so he's looking for a guy. Um, he took out. Uh, he found a guy. He's a one-legged uh, army veteran, Mike Burns, who's now actually the president of Operation Pay It Forward. Um, and he called him up and he was like, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a cool story to it. He tells it better than I do, but, um, he actually organized it with his wife and everything. And, um, he, he gave him a call and, you know, he never answers the phone if he doesn't know the, call, the phone number or whatever. And his wife says, uh, you know, you might, you might want to answer that. So Mike picks up the phone. And he's like, Hey man, I heard, uh, you know, you just had your leg amputated. Um, you know, well, you better get, you better get walking quick. Cause I'm taking you on a mule deer hunt. <clears throat> so, um, that was that was his way of giving him that incentive 
to learn how to walk again on, on that one leg. So Mike is uh, above the knee um, leg amputee. So, and, and we all know that above the knee is worse than below the knee. Um, so, you know, it, it's hard on him, but um, they set up this hunt and everything. He had a few donors, but most of this came out of, came out of Paulie's pocket, Eric Paulie. Um, and he took him on the hunt and crazy story is Eric Paulie's mother passed away um, while they were on the hunt. So ended up being not what they expected it to be, but um, you know, Eric was going to stay on the hunt and, you know, Mike was like, no, man, no, go home, go home, take care of your business. Your mom just passed away, man, go home, you know? And, um, so Paulie being the guy that he is made sure that, that Mike was set up, um, to make sure he got a kill, got a, you know, got, got something, um, on the ground and, uh, made some phone calls and some people stepped up and we actually got Mike a bison, um, on that first hunt. Um, and then, you know, those two, kind of kind of went from there um and paulie reached out to me uh when i was a recruiter in uh salt lake city asking me if i knew some veterans um actually he reached out to my sergeant major um my sergeant major uh, reached out to a few a few uh, marines in the area he took us on a pheasant hunt you know and, and it just kind of snowballed from there and then they launched the ambassador program which which is a hell of an idea um you know, once you go on the hunt, you then get to go and take somebody else on a hunt. So, um, and, and it snowballs from there. And then we all know veterans, we, we scatter throughout the country. Um, we're from all over the world, all over, all over the country and all that. So, you know, once you get out of the military or, or, or whatnot, you, you kind of scatter a little bit and then it just kind of grew. Um, and we're in, we're in 48 States now. Um, my numbers may be off. I want to say, I want to say we have about 500 ambassadors right now um active ambassadors so we're getting quite a amount of, i wish i had the numbers as far as how many veterans we're getting out each year but i know just here in florida um chris got out uh, shoot what was it 15 veterans um just him and me but it was most of it was him he was he was doing all the legwork on it but um you know that's just here in florida so yeah 503 ambassadors now right because that's how the program works right you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool aspect of it. Once, you know, once you guys take someone out, they then can become an ambassador. Now fucking Derek and Caleb are ambassadors of OPIF. Hell yeah. Dude, I help us. champing at the bit to get somebody. I was actually already texting some buddies to, uh, to set up. I I just fuck myself, Carter. I'm not a part of any of this. Well, I, I left you out cause it's like less ridiculous for Luke to be a member of a nonprofit organization. Yeah. That's fair. Caleb and Derek are being given money by this organization to take people out. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be a member of any organization that had me as a member. So I think about that every day I wake up and work with you. That's true. I can't, I still, it's going to be funny seeing Caleb on a fucking taking somebody out on a hunt. But that Dude. is pretty, pretty fucking cool aspect of it, right? Cause I'm sure you guys have a long list of individuals you've already lined up in your head mentally to, you know, move this ambassadorship forward from your point of view, guys that, you know, Mike would never even know or be aware of who are equally deserving, um, right. Of the, of the entire program. And that's like, that's so freaking cool. It's unbelievable. Well, and that's something that really appealed to me as well is the, the nature of it, right. Is you can't just go sign up and just become an ambassador. You know, I, everybody's heard me talk about our own program and how I don't like that. I don't like there's no vetting process. And so like with this, right, I, I have to 
now that I've been vetted essentially through this hunt, which is camaraderie building it all, but they've decided that I'm not that too much of an asshole. I go bring somebody else. And now I am putting my name on and stamping it to them as they're, they're good enough to be ambassadors and we'll, we'll bring them in and, and so on and so on. And so now you've got, you know, and there's, there's, you know, bad apples that'll make it in every bunch, no doubt. But for the most part, this is going to be a pretty self-correcting organization and group that you're only getting, you know, the right type of person. Because, you know, this is the type of thing that would be very easy to take advantage of and abuse and, um, you know, do things that, you know, aren't really ethical or, or within the mission statement of the organization. And so by the, the constant vetting, because you've got to actually take each guy out, kind of vouch for him. You know, if I take somebody out that I don't know and like on the hunt, I just have a bad vibe. I'm not going to bring them on, you know, like they're not going to be in it. Like great to have you on the hunt, but we're not going to extend the ambassadorship your way, which I think is a really cool aspect of it. Uh, I can say with 100% certainty that after I stayed up all night Friday with you and then I went and hunted and your ass went on the couch, that you're a gigantic piece of shit. And I, I think you're a huge asshole. So I don't know what Mike saw. Mike saw the <laughs> same damn thing. Who are you kidding? Oh. <laughs> well, I can tell you right now, there was, I never pretended like I was going to go stay up all night and sit in a damn tree stand waiting on pigs. I've killed plenty of pigs. I don't need to sit in a tree stand when I could be sleeping. Well, Carter was sitting right <laughs> next to me. Hey, I'm going to bed. Good night, guys. No, no. I didn't lie to anybody about that. I was very upfront. There's no way in hell I'm sitting in a tree stand for fucking hogs. Carter was harder than woodpecker lips. I thought that kid was going to die. Oh, my God. He was having an exorcism the entire fucking Fighting trip. demons and spotting hogs. Fighting demons and spotting hogs. Is that what it was? That's yeah. number one oh for uh, working podcast titles right now. So we can do a little rundown on the on the actual trip itself so people can kind of, kind of get a snippet of um, what this might look like. And so we were, uh, you know, Chris had reached out, invited us, linked us in with Mike. We did a little Zoom call, talked about it. And Mike was at him and he's like, all right, let's just put it on the counter. That's what we got to do. It's got to get on the counter. We're just going to talk about it for a year and it'll never happen, which I think is a very solid point. So we put it down. It was hard because – Derek and I are both getting ready to deploy, so we had to work around our schedules, and we made it work, and we uh, we had locked in a, a high-fence pig hunt, which was an interesting experience in and of itself. We can talk about that later, but um, I had a absolute shit show of a trip getting out there to include an extra three-hour delay stuck on the airplane with a six-month-old baby and my pissed-off wife who was not even sitting next to me, so that was, a, that was fun. So by the time... Carter and I got into camp. It was already what past midnight, right? Yeah, it was twelve twenty-four. So that's when it, that's when it all started. I showed up ready to have some beverages and drink away the fucking hell of a day I'd had. And when you show up at you know twelve thirty, three three thirty comes pretty quick. And then especially when you haven't seen your boys for a while, and then from three thirty right into five thirty. The 5.30 wake up comes pretty quick and Chris and Mike walk out like, hey, boys, it's time to go hunt. We haven't gone to bed yet. Well, it's <laughs> easy that's to wake how it all started. Way. Yeah, it's easy to wake up when you don't go to bed. So I went to sleep because I don't need to sit in a tree stand for pigs. And uh, they all went out like troopers. But Carter was snoring in the tree stand about six seconds after he sat down. Nah, and, uh, it was, it was, he had a minute or two and then I let him sleep. Until the feeder went off, and then I elbowed him. Scared the shit out of me. I thought we were under attack. (laughs) (laughs) 
And uh, during this time, I was snoozing on the couch. So, But they came back in, didn't kill shit, so I didn't miss anything. And then we ended up uh, hunting the rest of the, the weekend, which was a good time. It was a safari style, kind of ride around in side-by-sides and find them. It was way more shooting than hunting. I'm not going to hold any illusions about what we did. But that wasn't you know, the purpose of the trip. The purpose of the trip was to get everybody together, um, build some relationships. And that's exactly what we did. You know, that and we had a lot of time in the cabin at camp to bullshit, get to know each other, you know, kind of suss each other out. And um, it was a it was a great time. I'm already looking forward to whatever the next one we do when I get back from from Europe is. But uh, maybe we'll go somewhere that's not as canned of a hunt, but it, it was still a really good time. It was yeah. definitely a good time. A lot of shooting. I mean, if you're Derek, it was, you know, half missing and half shooting, but we won't hold that against you, bud. I got two on the ground. That's all that matters. Uh, so, like, this is my first time ever doing anything fucking fenced in like that. Missed three, killed two. Yeah. That's, that that average will get you into the Hall of Fame, dude. But <laughs> it was actually a little bit more work than what I figured it would be. Like, I figured it would be just, like, sitting on a feeder. It would go off. 80 hogs would fucking run out, and you just take your pick. But, like, we actually had to roam around a little bit to actually find these hogs. Um, so... I mean, I'm definitely not going to call it hunting, but it was it was definitely harder than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, Florida Florida's a, a a tough state to do um, like public land hunting. Um, you know, our original plan was to go out to Texas. Um, that got kind of screwed up a little bit, but um, you know, we did the next best thing was to get you guys out to Florida and do a hog hunt. Um, you know, it, but the hunting in Florida ain't ain't what it's known for we're known for its fishing so maybe we'll do a fishing trip next time but uh, we had a great time i mean we got a lot of meat on the ground um you know i got a head buried in my backyard right now so we'll, we'll see what happens you know but you're right it's not, it's not hunting it's um it's just shooting shooting pigs but it, you're right it's, it's a little more work than you think that was that was a pretty big plot of land what was it 1200 acres or something like that yeah just well, in they, that area they've got a, they've got so, more yeah, well, that one pin is like thirteen hundred, and then a couple of the adjacent pins are pretty good size too. I think I might be screwing that up, but um, and then they've got other properties like in the surrounding area that they hit too. So like it was, yeah, it was definitely not <laughs> the first. The first place Chris looked at was four hundred acres of high fence, and we we're gonna shoot goats or some shit. And the, the guy asked Chris, he was like. Hey man, I'm heading down to the auction a week before you guys get there. Anything in particular you want to shoot? You get down there buying farm animals at auction and bringing them in for us to shoot like Jurassic Park with the goat on the stake. And we I were all a like, raptor. Yeah, yeah, we might pass on this one. So Chris found some place that was a little bigger. And I actually asked the guy, I was like, do you guys bring pigs in? And other than those big fucking farm pigs that some rich dentist somewhere will come in and shoot, like all the hogs that are on the land are actually like, I don't want to say natives because they're feral, but you know they're they they were there. But when they put the high fence up and they just bred within, the only time they bring in extra pigs is if there's like some big old trophy that they can buy. Um, so the, the pigs are you know a, a regular population on a 1,300 acre track. So it when I found that out, it changed my perspective a little bit. If they were bringing in pigs like every week, I think it would be a little bit different. But um, it was definitely an interesting experience. You know, you're out there, so. <laughs> We, uh, the last, the last night of the last kind of right at last light, Derek was needed to kill his last one. So we were zipping around a bunch of feeders trying to find one on the side by sides and Derek spokes one. And 
Um, she's a good size sow, and she didn't want to die. <laughs> um, he I hit her again, the old dropped Texas her. Texas heart shot. Yeah, and then well, then he shot her as we zipped up on her. Yeah, uh, he dropped her, and then she got up, shot her a couple more times. But as he's shooting this pig, what nine fucking bison, like American bison, come running around the corner. All the and while, just, Carter's puking his fucking guts out next to us. So I'm smoking a pig while bison watch me and Carter pukes. And yeah, it was, it, it was a little overstimulating situation. It was it was an amazing scene to behold because I got I got Derek sitting there blasting this pig, this fucking buffalo. Carter having an exorcism. I was like, man, where the fuck are we right now? I love Florida. This is amazing. <laughs> like this the first, insane. the first words Carter says after he pukes, he's like, oh, I can't believe I'm puking in front of these majestic creatures. He said, "What would Teddy think?" <laughs> they, they all looked so disappointed at me. It was so weird. You look over and there's freaking American buffalo right there. That that was the craziest part. Was we were sightseeing a good bit, right? We went all over Africa and we went all over Asia and we we went we saw everything. I, it was that was insane. It was wild. It was like the uh, the hunting Epcot when you get out of Disney. <laughs> Disney, you can drink around the world. We just like Damn. hunted around the world. Fucking axis deer, black bucks. Uh, was it Chinese David? one? Pure David. Chinese water deer, some shit. Pure David. Water buffalo from India. It was crazy. Yeah, there's actual water buffalo. Then there's those weird Indian cows. Yeah, they're literally just cows with like crazy horns. horns. And like, some dude will just roll up there and like get off the side by side and be like, "That's the one." It's good news. Well, it's shit, they said shot. that. They said that old CPA fucking spent 250k there last year just schwacking whatever the hell he wanted. Like and and as I'm smoking that pig, I hear Luke in the background like, "Oh man, hope he doesn't skip one up into that buffalo." I'm like, "Fuck you, dude. Why would you even put that out into the universe? You know how expensive that would be? Like, sorry, we Quinn. All have to go to the ATM. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Quinn, you don't get to go to college cuz daddy shot a buffalo." five thousand dollar buffalo that was the most fun was riding around and pointing at random animals i'd never seen before asking the guide what's that one cost oh dude i hear 6400 bucks what's that one cost i pretend like i was kind of interested i'm like i might shoot an axis deer how much does that cost he's like forty nine hundred dollars i'm like fuck that (laughs) (laughs) two grand to shoot a big axis buck right before i deploy and won't be able to hunt next year i would have considered it Five grand, fuck that, dude. No, no, it ain't worth it. We we've been to some places where it's it was, you know, this was pretty good as far as how big the the pen was that we were kind of hunting in or what. I don't want to call it a pen, but the land, the high fence we were hunting in. But we have hunted in a fucking pen before. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not. Like we it was it was. We didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. We thought it was going to be a little bit different, and we show up, and then the, the guy's acting like acting like he's he's taking us hunting and he's like oh we saw some on the game on the game trail in here the other day and then he opens a gate and drives through it and closes the gate behind him and i'm like i don't think there's any game cams in here man um and literally it was like a, it was like a five acre plot and we're chasing pigs from one corner to the other and it was just like man this i feel bad i felt but but i paid for the pigs somebody's gonna shoot them why not me you know but uh but yes yeah, so I, I, we shot them but we we don't we don't go back over there I forget who it was who said it. It might have been you, Mike, or Chris. But you pointed out, like, for a lot of the guys who go there and spend that much money, 
like some real freaking money. That's like, that's the hunting that they know. Like that is hunting to them, which was, I kind of put it in perspective. I was like, damn, this guy's never like gotten his ass kicked on public land before. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the thing. They, they go out there and they honestly believe that that is hunting. And those guides, they'll play it off the whole time. Like, oh man, you're a great hunter, you know, this and that. And man, you, you started a real good stalk on that cow. You know, like, it's like, what do you, but they play it off, man. And these guys come back and they give them more money. Yeah, man, I, I can't hate, you know, the, at all. I mean, our guide, Mike, was was awesome the whole time. And, you know, I think he kind of, he didn't really play it up for us. I think he kind of, you know, did a pretty quick judge of what we were about and kind of knew. I, I was a smart ass the whole time. Every morning we'd go out and be like, let's go shoot some farm animals. But, uh, you know, I, it is a weird thing, but if you want to get into like the hunting industry in Florida, like that's probably about all you can do. Like there's not a whole lot of other options, you know, like. There is some wild boar you can hunt and, and it is doable. Um, but when you got this, this type of group of guys coming down, this amount of guys coming down, it's, it's not feasible. But if you're going out, you know, on your own, uh, you, you can do some stuff with hogs um, out, out on some public land and stuff like that. But with, with what we want to do, you know, it, it was not feasible to do it that way. You know, does that make sense? No, oh, absolutely. Some of the best uh, hunting down in Florida is on the Army installations. Our buddy, uh, John Ritter, he's down at Eglin. He's killed some pigs down there. Uh, there's some good hog hunting there. The deer hunting isn't <laughs> isn't great. They're about the size of fucking German shepherds. But, um, you know, he, he's killed, getting in pigs. But, I mean, I think you're right. I think Florida... And if we go back and do another trip down there, which I would love to do, I think we got to get on some fish, um, get off the coast, and we can go out on the fishing boat, and then we can just drink beer all day. Not that Lobster. we want, anyways. But <laughs> I say there's nothing like being hungover on a boat. <laughs> That's yeah, why you just stay drunk. It's the only thing that would have made my day better is being on a fucking boat. <laughs> Y'all want to see a magic um, trick? <laughs> I mean, that's the title. That's what Carter does when he wants to show everybody how he can make a beer disappear. It's the only I thing just, I'm good at. I started calling him Copperfield. <laughs> and then you throw it up 10 minutes later. <laughs> Pretty sure it disappear. disappear and make it reappear. I fucking saw an old license plate come out of Carter that weekend, man. Dude, I saw Carter's soul leave his body that night. <laughs> Pretty sure he left part of his kidney on that fucking... Hundred acres or a thousand acres, dude. And I don't know how the hell he pulled it off, but Carter had like one of the the best spots on hogs that I've ever seen, and he was just like face <laughs> down in the back seat, just <laughs> fucking holding on for dear life. And we're like flying past, and he just goes, "There's two pigs under that tree." The <laughs> <laughs> three o'clock, two pigs. <laughs> even the guy was like. <laughs> Even the guy was like, damn, I, I didn't even see that. That was a good-ass spot. I was like, how the hell did you not pull that off, Carter? Always hunting, buddy. Always. Yeah. <laughs> Always be hunting. That's right. Oh, man. That was that was a that was a hell of a trip. You know, I wouldn't uh, change it. That was a, was a good time. I don't know Dude, that I had I a blast. Do yeah. the same, the same exact hunt over, but it was a good experience. And it was something we've been talking about for a while. It was like, you know, high fence hunting, right? And we don't need to get, I think it'd be cool to do it. We can do a different podcast of breaking it all down, or we can just talk about it now, but like kind of the ethics of it all and like how we feel. Cause like, I'll be honest, like the first day I felt kind of grimy, 
felt like I was on a fucking episode of like Florida Tiger King or some shit, you know, like you're out there and like this fucking <laughs> exotic ass animal walks out and you're just like, this is not like my simple Appalachian brain cannot see all these fucking palm trees where it looks like the damn jungle, literally. And then an elk walks out. Like, I'm just like, what is going on? It's just bizarre. I think it's all in how you sell it to, uh, to the people you tell the story to. Cause like, you know, when they walked up to us and they're like, all right, dude, you can kill, you can kill two hog, two meat hogs or one trophy hog. And inside my head, I'm like, I don't give a fuck about a trophy hog. Like I'm inside a fence. I didn't, I didn't work for this. So that trophy is worth is, is completely worthless to me because I don't feel like I earned it. Uh, now, like some dudes just want some elk meat. And, and if you want to spend $5,500 and know that you're going to get an elk, then all for it. But like, don't be like, well, I killed this monster on a start at nine grand, bro. Whatever started at fucking whatever. But if you know you want elk, they've got, that's insane. Yeah. If you know you want elk meat and you don't want to fucking go to Colorado and get skunked, then just fucking go in this here pen and, and shoot it. But don't be like, yeah, I was on an expedition fucking braving the elements and I I shot this elk. I was like, look, dude, I paid money. I fucking shot this elk and. Now you're eating it. Isn't that cool? Like just, it's on how you sell it to me. I think, I think, you know, you talk a lot about like the ethics of hunting and and a lot of people have their own rules that they put on top of the laws. You know, I only hunt with a bow or I only hunt with a muzzleloader. I mean, shoot, there's people that only hunt with spears, you know? Um, And I've always thought, you know, um, I I think it really boils down to the amount of time you have to commit to hunting. Um, Because to be honest, I mean, I don't have as much time as I'd like to, to commit to hunting. Um, You know, so to me, the limitations are the law Um, that that's what I consider ethical hunting, you know, because the laws are in place for a reason. I mean, and like I said, if I had more time to it, I might, I might put some more stipulations on top of myself, you know, like, Hey, maybe I'll only hunt with a bow or whatever, but I just don't have that time, you know? Um, So I really think that, you know, it's, it's best to get people out there hunting, and not, and not really, uh, but with the ethics of high fence, I mean, that's a little different, you know, but it is legal. Um, and for some people, like we talked about, you know, that that's hunting. And, um, if that gets them out there in the woods and, and, and appreciating where their meat comes from, then, you know, why not? It ain't for me. It ain't, I know it ain't for y'all, you know, but, but it is what it is. I mean, if, if people get out there and they enjoy it and that they're appreciating where the meat comes from, you know, more power to them, you know? Yeah, and I think intention is really important as as with everything. Like what what's the intention behind the ethics? Like kind of what you're saying, Mike, and what Derek's mentioning. You know, I could spend two thousand bucks, go to Wyoming and get my ass kicked trying to find a mule deer, which I did last year, uh, and didn't get one, right? And if you're you want to pay money and you want to go kill something, this is uh, way more of a done deal. But also like I guess a pro for it would be, which is also kind of a weird ethical conundrum. I think Luke and I talked about this while we were down there is if you want to get like repetitions with like, if the bow is your weapon of choice and you want to get repetitions with a bow, that's the place where you do it. That's practical application of using a weapon. And and it's not shooting at a target, right? Because shooting a target's great, but until you shoot a live animal, you're not going to know exactly how that broadhead performs. Um, You're going to have to, you know, that's real time shot placement. That's real time everything, right? Other than, you know, the intention behind it. So if you want to get practice and you got the cash for it or the means to, it's a great way to get some reps in, um, which ethically 
if you're going to take that onto the mountain and go hunt, you know, big public and do blah, 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 right? When it's game time, you need to know how your bow is going to perform. You need to know how that arrow is going to fly. You need to know where the vitals are in that particular animal. And maybe in a controlled scenario like that, that's how you do that. And honestly, that's how that's how these uh, broadhead companies test their broadheads anyway, right? It's not for me. I could go in my chicken coop and shoot my fucking chickens, you know, with a broadhead. And it's about the same thing. But uh, next HLE OPIF trip, boys. <laughs> 400 bucks, you boys can come shoot Shooting one of Carter's my chickens. chickens. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm in. I was looking at those Indian cows, and I was like, man, I could go to my dad's fucking farm in Virginia and smoke a cow with a bow if I really wanted to. So to your point, uh, Carter, Mike, the the dude that was guiding us, was like was telling us that there was a guy that came in. He like did all this primitive uh, hunting and like was making his own uh, broadheads out of like fucking, I guess, flint is what he was making them out of. And came in here and did some testing on uh, bison and was doing the same exact thing. But you kind of have to have deep pockets to to pull that shit off. Yeah, and, and one thing that I do want to touch on with, with the high fence stuff, Chris just texted me and wanted me to mention it because he can't figure out his computer. But um, <laughs> he, uh, he brought up the fact that, you know, a, a lot of times when, when we do bring the veterans out and stuff like that, I mean, sometimes they're restricted to a chair, you know, and, and a Colorado elk hunt is not, not feasible to an electric chair, you know, um, or something like that. So sometimes, you know, it is best to get them out on that and, and, and get that camaraderie. You still get the same level of camaraderie as we saw, you know, hanging out by the fire, hanging in the cabin. Um, as far as, you know, like the OPIF thing goes, is that same level of camaraderie that you're going to get on a regular hunt, um, but it's it's feasible for for a disabled guy with with you know double amputee in one arm, you know, um, or, or what have you, you know, because there's some people you know, we've taken guys on hunts that pull the trigger by blowing in a tube, you know. So that's that's not you know Colorado elk's not happening for them, you know. So this stuff stuff like this is really right up their alley. Absolutely, intention is everything, man. Not everything, not everything in hunting is going to fit your perfect puzzle piece for every single individual, which is kind of the coolest thing about it. Yeah. It's completely subjective. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's, what's been, you know, interesting to myself and my evolution. You know, if you'd asked me three years ago, maybe even two years ago, like high fence, I would have been, you know, a purist on all this shit, which is really stupid. Cause it like, there's a time and a place for everything. Right. Like exactly what we talked about earlier for what we needed today or that weekend was perfect. It was exactly what we needed to lodge. Food was provided. Nothing. We didn't need to worry about anything. We could just do this hunt, get to know each other, build some relationships and talk about OPIF and HLE and building a relationship. Um, it would be a little more difficult. And like, yeah, you'd get to know each other, but it would be a little more difficult if we're trying to, you know, individually stalk out or we're hunting and, you know, individual uh, tree stands, with saddles trying to bow hunt, you know, where you get a lot less time together. So, you know, it all is uh, kind of subjective and it, it depends on what you're looking at. And then all operations aren't the same, right? Like that 400 acres, I have zero interest in under like pretty much any conditions. That 1300 acres, like I'd probably go back and kill pigs again if the opportunity presented itself with the right group of guys in the right scenario. Cause it was, we were, it wasn't a gimme. We had to look for them. Yeah. We all killed our two or whatever, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a layup. Like we had to 
go out there and stalk in a little bit and try to do with them. There's a little bit of hunting. Like, I mean, we knew they're pretty trained on their feeders, you know what I'm saying? But they're still fucking pigs and they still don't want to get killed and they still get the hell out of Dodge when you pull up. And it still gets a little, <laughs> we probably don't need to tell my story, but it gets a little Western every once in a while, you know? And uh, so it was, a, it was a good time. And then, you know, one thing that I do have a little bit of interest in is doing a bow hunt on one of these massive places down in Texas. It's like 25,000 acres. And you've got this preserve, like this, basically it's a preserve where you've got all these different species that are within it that are all wild within the parameter or the, the perimeter of this, uh, excuse me, uh, ranch. Is that hunting? I, I don't know. And that, that's where I think we start to see these muddled lines where things start to shift. Like what is hunting and what is not? Is any high fence hunting? Well, 25,000 acres, there's animals within that where their natural range, they'll never see a fence. They're just going to wander within the insides of that anyway. So that fence could be there or could it not be there? You know, the, the ranch I go down in Texas is not high fence, but their three neighbors of that ranch are high fence. So three sides are high fence, but one side isn't. But it's like a 27,000 acre ranch. So like, I don't, you never feel like you're hunting high fence. So all that nuance within the discussion is really interesting to me. Yeah, and, and and to me, you know, you, you think about, you know, what, what is hunting at its root? You know, it's where did it come from? You know, a lot of people will say that a baiting is, is wrong or whatnot, you know. Um, but I guarantee you our ancestors did it. <laughs> they were trying to feed their families. And if it worked, they did it. You know, they didn't, they didn't care about the ethics of hunting at all. They just wanted an animal down to bring home to feed their family. Um, and that's where hunting really is. So, you know, like, like, like I talked about before, you know, what are the ethics um, of hunting? It's really, it, it's up to you. You know, it's a personal, personal choice, really, you know, is, is, is the high fence for, for me or guys like you? No, I mean, but it, like you said, there is a high fence, there is a situation where you could tell me it's a high fence and I'd go, right. Um, you know, like this weekend, but you know, like you're talking about 25,000 acres, man. Yeah. That's, that, that's hunting. That's hunting. We didn't even give a shit if we we hunted at all. We just wanted to get down there and uh, get to know you guys. I think that was the the coolest part of the trip for me was Perry and I got down there first, uh, then uh, Caleb got there, and then Chris. And so, like, we got to go out, run around, sight in, and then actually start hunting pretty early and, and getting to know Chris, just talking to him, learning about um, the inner workings of OPIF, and just had a good time. Like, that was what the whole weekend was about was just kind of getting together, hanging out. And if we killed a di anything, like I didn't give a shit. We could have sat there by the fire and just bullshit it all weekend long. And I've been all right with it. Yeah. It would have been a huge mistake to say no to this trip from a purist point of view or anything like that. And be like, I'm so anti high fence. I'm just not going to even go. That would have been a huge fucking mistake. I had, yeah. even though I've died twice, I had the best fucking weekend I've had in a long time. And how could you even know? Like, it's like a, a vegan fucking saying no to meat when they've never had meat. Like, if you don't know what something's about until you actually fucking go out and do it. Now, I've done it. I'm like Luke. Like, yeah, there are certain situations where I would I would hunt a high fence. I would definitely go back to where we went and, and do that again. I had a blast. Um, I wouldn't want to fucking shoot a fucking goat in a pen like we were going to do before. But, like, it's it's all in how you look at it. Perry, how'd you feel about the high fence stuff? It was, um, I like you, there was a time in my life where it would have felt a little, you know, a little icky or a little, you know, a little slimy. Um, I really, after we had the initial 
discussion with OPAF and the Texas trip didn't work out. Um, I was really intrigued to go check it out firsthand because I've never experienced anything like that. Um, and so obviously appreciate the invite, uh, Mike and Chris let me tag along as a civilian. But one thing too, to, to consider is like, right, this is, there's a, there's the economic side of this. Um, yeah, there, you know, there's, there's the ethics discussion that's there, but there's also an economic discussion. There are plenty of people out there that have no problem. They're totally comfortable to go there and drop tens of thousands of dollars in a weekend. There's an entire economy around this. Um, there were guys, staff, guides, you know, a whole system of people in place that make their living off of this place and places like this. It's no different than um, people that go down and hunt in, you know, a, an African safari. There's an economy around it that can't be discounted from the conversation. Yeah, I think that's a great point, right? Because, like, when you look at Florida, which is rapidly developing, um, and we were probably eight miles from the coast, if that, and this is 1,300 plus acres that is now staying mostly in its natural state. And yeah, there's exotics and shit imported in. But, you know, as you look at that, there is a, a level of, uh, I don't know what the word is, but it, it's just, it's fighting the development a little bit. Of, and it's keeping some places wild in asterisks because there's fucking bison and Chinese deer in that place. So like a, wild is a loose term, but like, you know what I mean? Like it's still, it's, it's not a strip mall. It's not a strip mall. You know, it's not fucking high rise condos stacked up because you have beach access within fucking 20 minutes. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that that's also something we got to think about. And the more that we lose this, especially on the East Coast where the population density is much higher and the more the traditional family farms are getting broken up and fractured and uh, getting run out of business and getting taxed to death and getting turned into subdevelopments and mountain homes for rich folks from the urban areas. <clears throat> it's, it's something we got to think about is, is what is the alternative? Um, because it is just a way to keep some of these places at least green. Yeah, and, and, and something I just wanted to hit real quick, uh, Perry, I know you had something, um, but I, I mean, what, what's more ethical, paying money to go out there, supporting an ecosystem, an economy, not an ecosystem, an economy, right, um, or going to the store and buying it at the grocery store? You know, I think they're right along the same lines of ethics, to be honest. I mean, um, you, would you rather your meat be bludgeoned to death by someone else or, you know, would you rather go out there and, and – and, and take it yourself, you know? So that's it, the morals of, Hey, you buy steak at the grocery store, you know, that's pretty ethical. You know, why not go and pay somebody to shoot your own meat? You know, I'd say, uh, this, I'd venture to say this is even more ethical. I mean, you're out there, you're, you're killing your, Dude, I agree. You're, you're processing it and you, you kind of know what, uh, they've been eating and what, what's been put into their body. Like, I mean, these guys aren't out there fucking pumping all these pigs full of vaccines. They just fucking let them roll. The ones that are sick die. The ones that fucking make it are fairly healthy, and, that, and that's what you're you're going after. So I would say it's you're getting a almost a better uh, piece of meat doing it the way we did it. Yeah, I totally agree. From a food point of view, I get it. If you look at it through that lens, it totally makes sense to me. 
also from like the talking about the clientele who hunt there, like Perry just mentioned, like those dudes with deep pockets, you know, hunting from a political point of view has a target on its back. Right. And it's not impossible to think that anti-hunting groups could, you know, could possibly, I don't know, it could be detrimental in the future of hunting. Right. I, I can imagine a world where hunting could be limited. Okay. And it's dudes. It's already happening. Right. Yeah, look at Oregon. Just got yeah, Oregon. Oregon's got legislation right now. And it's, and it's guys with those deep pockets who are able to lobby and be pro hunting and make more shit happen than me. Right. So those are the dudes actually, <laughs> before I start casting stones from a glass house, like as Luke likes to say, that's, those are the dudes we need on our team. Right. If you're looking at it from a monetary political, you know, being on the same team kind of point of view. Dude, you got this lucrative uh, chicken hunting business that you just started up. What are you bitching about? Money. I'm Start fucking, your lobby, Carter. I'm going to retire next week. I, can I sign you guys up for the first hunt? Dude, I'll, I'll come up to your place and shoot a chicken. <laughs> yeah, we'll bring some veterans out. We'll get it done. <laughs> Knives only. Yeah. That's, yeah Good luck sure. catching one of them sons of bitches. My neighbor's got chickens, and like he had something they wanted slaughtered. Man, it's just like fucking Rocky too. It's rough. It is. It, it's an interesting dis- discussion, though, because people do, and you see it so much, man, on social media, especially Facebook. It seems like Facebook is more ripe for this shit than even Instagram is. And I know Carter and I are uh, members of a bunch of the same Facebook groups, and that's honestly one of the reasons why I started the uh, the Hunt Lift Eat forum on Facebook was so we could get folks over there. To it's a lot more positive and smaller than a lot of these other groups, but. Um, Folks just, you know, know, some guy will kill a big buck out in Kansas and like high fence, high fence, high fence. It's like every other comment is like people like talking shit. And this kid's like, no, man, I shot this on some private ground. Like, it's basically high fence. It's big private. It's like, are we fucking really doing this right now? Like the 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 state of Texas is a high fence. Yeah, like exactly. Like the whole country. Well, I mean, the United States is a high fence. We're surrounded by fucking. Well, we're not really because the southern border isn't very high fenced, but um you know, it's just, it's so fucking exhausting. And I think having these conversations matters because there's so much nuance in everything. And it's not that we're all sitting here and we're huge proponents of high fence hunting. Cause I'm really not, to be honest, like it, it, it kind of does still leave a little bit of a, I don't want to say sour taste, but off taste, you know, cause it, it isn't the same. It just isn't. And there's something canned. And like, once you know that that animal has been touched and like put there like it's just different it just is that's why like immediately when i found out the pigs were raised there like they're like they, they they're i'll say native even though they're not actually scientifically native to that land i was like oh i'm way more okay with this which makes fucking zero sense but somehow in my twisted rationale i felt better about what we were doing because they didn't drop those pigs in there the year before you know what i mean and so i think that that's the conversations do need to be had is where the nuance is in, in all this, because there is, and there's pros and cons to everything. Like most African hunting is high fence because they've got to actually control the populations to keep the poachers from killing them. And yeah, it might be 250,000 acres, but it's still high fence. Uh, And they run patrols and they keep the poachers out and everything. And without, without that ecosystem or without the economy within the ecosystem, we're going to lose all those animals. To, to the world because the poachers will kill them all. And it's what's been shown in every African country that's outlawed hunting. And 
And so, like, there, it's not a black and white high fence equals bad and, you know, low fence equals good. Because there's a lot of unethical stuff that happens on low fence operations, too. Uh, a lot of shit. I mean, some of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen happen on public land um, with guys just slinging unethical shots at antelope and, you know, I mean, dudes shooting with guys behind them. And, like, I, I was closer to getting shot in fucking Colorado than I was in fucking Afghanistan. Like, it, it was just, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's a conversation that's worth having, I think. I think, I think it's like what, what Carter said, and, and it's all intentions. You know, you can go be an asshole on public land. You can go be an asshole on a high fence. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's really what your intentions are. Um, you know, and, and are you making a clean kill? You know, are you, is the animal suffering? You know, because to be honest, I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Death from a human being is a lot more um, humane and, than, than any other death that animal is ever going to experience in the wild. You know, there's no, there's no animal out there that's, that's going to die of old age. Um, it's going to eventually be the slowest one in the pack and get picked off and half of its hind quarter is going to get eaten alive, you know, while it's still alive before it freaking actually expires, you know? So, um, the ethics I think are, are go with the intentions of the individual. Um, you know, if it's a guy who, you know, really wants to kill an elk and he's flying in from, you know, I don't know, um, Australia or something, um, you know, where they don't have elk and that's, he's only got a couple of days to come in, shoot an elk there and then fly back, you know? So it's really the intentions of it. And, and is he eating the meat, you know, is he just killing it and mounting it on the wall or is he not eating the meat and he's, you know, leaving it for the, for the sport or is somebody eating the meat, you know? Um, I think that that's really important, uh, to me is that somebody actually eats that meat, you know? I mean, I'm not a trophy hunter, um, by any means, don't get me wrong. If there's two bucks walking next to each other, I'm going to shoot the bigger one. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not necessarily a trophy hunter per se. I'm, I'm a meat hunter. You know, I go out and I hunt, um, to put meat in the freezer because I think it's the best nutrition for my family, uh, hands down, you know, wild game. So. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Um, where can folks find, uh, more information on, uh, OPIF? Yeah, so um, uh, we have um, Instagram, of course, OPIF for our vets. Um, let me let me double check that before I um, before I say it wrong. I think but, there's um, underscore in there. Yeah, I, I think there is. Um, so yeah, o, um, <clears throat> it's OPIF underscore the number four our O U R underscore vets. So OPIF the number four. Excuse me, OPIF underscore the number four underscore our underscore vets. That's the Instagram. Um, I know it's kind of long. We didn't work on that, but uh, the uh, and then the uh, the website is um, OPIF the number four our vets dot org. So um, and you can go on there. You can donate um, if you're a veteran. You can sign up. Um, reach reach out to us. Um, you know uh, you can reach out to my personal Instagram Mike underscore drop. Um, uh, underscore 66 uh, reach out to me if you're a veteran listening in you think you know somebody needs to get out on something like this hit me up um, I will uh, I'll do my best to get you out on a hunt to where, where you are in the country that's another thing that we do really well is um, <clears throat> I've had my buddies in Arizona reach out to me um, and say hey I got a buddy in Florida that needs to get out on, on a trip you know and then I link up with their buddy you know because he can't get out here or whatnot so no matter where you are in the country, if you know somebody, if you are somebody who's a veteran that you think that this would benefit from, reach out to me, reach out to OPIF. 
um, through Instagram or me through Instagram. Um, and, uh, and we, we will get you out there to sign up, sign up on the website and then reach out to us and we'll, uh, we'll see what we can do to get you out there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, can you break down a little bit? So if somebody just listens to this podcast and they're a vet and they want to register for a hunt, what's the process look like through the website? So through the website, you're going to go to opif4rvets.org. Um, you're going to scroll down. There's one for donors. If you want to donate, that's your spot. You want to donate money. We are 501c3, so we can get you the tax deduction form. If you are a veteran, you scroll down a little bit farther. There's a, um, uh, a, bu- uh, a button to click. It says veterans start here. Uh, there's a waiver you fill out and then an application form. Um, <clears throat> one thing that um, is also different about us we, uh, we accept all applications from every service member, regardless of your discharge, other than unhonorable. So if you have an unhonorable discharge, I'm sorry, we can't help you out. But every other discharge, either, even if it's other than honorable, even if it's uh, because we know that circumstances happen, right? Things happen to individuals and we don't want them to get, um, especially if I know somebody I served with. Some they screwed up, right? They made a mistake, but most of their service was honorable. I can vouch for that individual and we'll get them out on a hunt. So regardless of your discharge, I want to make that clear, um, unless it's on a, uh, dishonorable, excuse me, not unhonorable, uh, in, unless it's dishonorable discharge, okay, which we all know you got to do something real bad to get something like that. But um, so uh, you, you, you sign up on the website there and then we've got your information. Um, but that there's a long waiting list on on that, that website there. So, uh, reach out to one of us, um, and we can see what we can do. If, if it's an emergency, if you're just a guy that wants to get out on a hunt and you think you'd be a good ambassador ambassador, um, please wait patiently. If you're an individual that you know, somebody that needs help, um, or you are an individual that needs help, please reach out to one of us personally on Instagram. Um, and we will do our damnedest to make sure that we take care of you and get, and get you into the situation you need to be in. Um, but yeah, so that's where you start OPIF for our vets.org. Um, and then, uh, and then if it's an emergency, reach out to one of us personally on Instagram. Um, and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely, man. And then, uh, for all of our civilian listeners that can't be ambassadors, um, can they donate through the website as well? Absolutely. You can donate through the website. You can attend one of our banquets in, in Utah or Colorado, but I know, you know, you guys are nationwide, so not everybody has that opportunity, but, uh, yes, you can donate through the website. Um, either cash money. Uh, we also, if there's any, um, any individuals that want to donate services to us, like say you're a, you're a hunting guide or something like that. And you're like, Hey, I'd really like to take a veteran on a hunt and, and donate my services. Um, we, we accept all those as well as, um, if you are a hunting guide or own some type of high fence or something like that you do, and you can, you're in a position to, um, say donate a hunting trip. Uh, we have a fishing guide down in, in the Keys that donates a fishing trip every year um, for us to auction off at our event. So um, even if you can't donate money, um, you know, something like that can actually generate quite a bit of money. You know, the, the fishing trip got us 6000 bucks at, at the auction. Um, you know, so, um, you know, anything like that that, that, that anybody can donate. Um, if you have a company that makes something, um, you know, I know, uh, Derek, you know, you said you're going to donate a knife. Uh, for us to auction off, you know, something like that. We have um, a couple of different uh, firearms companies that donate rifles for us to auction off at our auctions. Um, so um, there's a lot of different ways that you can you can help us out. 
Um, and the best way to do it is just think about how you want to help us out, whether it's through money, service, you know, you want to help out through your services um, or you want to donate an object for us to, to auction off. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do it in any way we can. Um, and we appreciate any help anybody can give us. Yeah, man, I'm super stoked for the relationship going forward between Hunt, Lift, Eat and OPIF. I hope to really be able to do some fundraising. We're going to do some different events and different things and, and raise some capital, especially once I get back from Europe and I get a little more uh, time and bandwidth. Um, but this has been awesome. It's been great to, to meet you guys finally in person. Uh, obviously we met, uh, via social media and, uh, signal chat, but getting down there was, it was, it was a great way, you know, kind of one last final hunt before I roll on deployment. I know Derek can probably say this, say the same, but we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. We'll go around the horn real quick. Uh, Derek, what do you got for closing comments, man? Uh, yeah, just following up on what you said, Jim. it was like a, a great send off. Cause you know, for the next couple months, I'll be sitting on my dick. Uh, and uh, get to hang out with you boys, send Luke off right before he's out of here for almost a year. Uh, it was kind of the perfect way to go. So I was stoked to meet you, uh, Mike and Chris, even though Chris can't figure out how to fucking take a computer to Disneyland. Um, it was uh, it was, it was a blast and I can't wait to hook up and do another trip. I mean, I mean, we could hook up any way you want, like the, you know, hammering at home way or just like, go get some lunch or something, you know, whatever you want to do. You're a good looking man. So I'm saying, yeah, I just got to say, I'm just thankful for the invite guys. It was awesome to just tag along. It's uh, always so rewarding and and refreshing to meet like-minded dudes from across the country. And, you know, without OPIF, I would have ne- never met you, Mike and Chris. It's another way that we cross paths and, you know, uh, that kind of stuff is what really matters. So yeah, just real thankful. I appreciate it guys. Yeah, I'm going to echo that same sentiment, Carter. Really appreciate you guys um, having me down there, Chris and Mike. It was awesome to meet you all. Y'all are doing fantastic work. Um, I love everything I've heard about OPIF and uh, and your guys' kind of mission, um, getting veterans involved, putting that charge on them to stay involved, grow that community, pay it forward. Um, I think you guys are doing a lot of good, and I'm really excited to see that relationship between HLE and OPIF grow in the future. I think some cool things are going to happen. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we appreciate you guys, you know, being willing to come out, reach out to us and, and really um, offer up, you know, coming down here and linking up with us. I know, you know, you guys are pretty much a veteran run organization, so you're right up our alley. Um, you know, we had a great time. We really did. I mean, you know, every, every trip, every trip is different. Um, that we go on but this one this one was one for the books that's for sure so we appreciate you guys coming out and i'm i'm really looking forward to uh you know working together um coming up with some type of way for us to raise some 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 uh money for opif um, and help out hle as well so we, we thank you guys and we appreciate you coming out absolutely man thanks so much for the opportunity uh as always go follow uh hunt lift eat at hunt lift eat official and we appreciate you guys tagging along for the ride Till next time thanks y'all